Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. Well, 2020 was a bad year. And uh, most of us, as we got to the end of the year, said, good riddance. We're glad it's over. But you know, there's some takeaways from last year that can benefit us as we move forward. And we need to ask ourselves, despite it being a bad year, what good things were there and what could we learn from 2020? You know, not everything that happens is bad. Even though bad things happen, we can learn good things from them and uh, something that caused havoc that affected the world's economy that affected your personal life and your family that caused businesses to go into a recession that caused people to lose their jobs and their loved ones can there be something good that comes from it well I believe God still speaks in times of trouble and there are lessons we can learn from difficulties and there are good things that come out of bad things you see not everything is God sent but everything is definitely God-used. The famous uh, Joni Erickson Tarder, who is in a wheelchair from a diving accident, she said this, she said, God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. And many of us have gone through 2020 and thought, how could God let this happen? Uh, Does God know what I'm going through? But sometimes he permits what he hates to bring about what he loves because there's a purpose in it. And so today I want to speak to you about lessons from a virus. There are things, good things that we can learn from 2020 and from this virus impacting our world. And there are generally two schools of thought when it comes to this. Existentialism says this. It says everything that happens is just random and it has no reason, it has no purpose and no value. That's what most people think. But theodicy, that's the view that God is involved, says this, everything that happens, however bad, has a purpose and a divine reason. We've got to see that even in the bad things, God works. Now, before I unpack the message fully, I want to go to this topic for a little bit here, that God works in the good. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8 speaks to Christians, and he says this, and you most probably all know this verse extremely well, Romans 8 and verse 28, he says, and we know, I'll come back to it in a moment, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So he says, in all things. In other words, everything that happens, God works. The King James, which is an older translation, but it's also accurate, it says, and we know that all things work together for good. And so no matter what happens, God works in it for good. And he says there, we know. So so here's the thing. Not everybody sees the good in bad things, but we do because we are born again Christians, saved by grace, and there's an eternal purpose in our lives. And so when bad things happen, we know God is in control. And so we know that no matter what's happening to us, everything is going to turn out for the good, even when it seems disastrous. And you'll see that people who don't know the Lord, things that happen to them destroy them. Their lives are a disaster because they don't know like we know. 
And he goes on to say here that all things work together for good to them that love God, speaking about Christians, and not past tense, loved God, but those who walk in love, walk in God, and are loving and worshiping God, for them they understand that no matter what's happening, God is involved. And then he says we're called according to his purpose. Our lives are not random, they're not all over the place, and when a difficulty happens, God is still in it, working for the good. You'll remember in the Bible, if you've read the scriptures in the New Testament, that there was a runaway slave called Onesimus. He was owned by a man called Philemon. And Onesimus ran away, was captured, and by a stroke of amazing fortune, was put in prison with the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul ministered to him, found out he belonged to Philemon, and he ministered the gospel to him. He came to Christ, and then Paul said, you need to go back to your master when you get out of prison. And you need to go back to him and serve him. And uh, Onesimus said, yes, that's what I'm going to do. And Paul wrote a letter to his friend Philemon saying, hey, you need to receive him back. But notice what the Apostle Paul observes about the whole thing, about what happened to Onesimus. And I want to read it to you from Philemon chapter 1 and verse 15. He says, perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. Perhaps this happened. Well, Philemon ran away. He did it. It was a negative thing. He shouldn't have done it, uh, according to those times. But nonetheless, Paul says, you know what? In all that negativity, God used it to bring him to Christ and then to bring him back to you and to reconcile. Now he's a member of the family. He's not just a piece of property. In fact, the apostle Paul himself found himself in a prison, in lockdown, if you like, away from freedom, restricted. And he was God's man, called by God, yet he's in this lockdown position. But notice what he says about being in prison, in a bad situation. He says in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 12, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. So I'm in prison, but the gospel is going ahead. And he says, as a result, it has become clear. In other words, people are discovering this. That throughout the whole palace, God, and to everyone else, that I'm in chains for Christ. In other words, even though I'm in this lockdown situation, there's a good lesson in it, and God is working in it, and it's not all bad, because when you serve the Lord, God uses everything, and he works it for the good. You'll remember in the Old Testament, when Joseph met up with his brothers in Genesis chapter 50, and they felt so bad about what they had done to him, and he says this in verse 20, he says, as far as I am concerned, God God turned into good what you meant for evil. And you know, that's, that's what it's like during COVID. This virus has affected the whole world. We're glad 2020 is over. But however, what the enemy, what circumstances, what people mean for evil, God can use for good. And there's some good lessons we can learn from a virus. So let's look at 10 briefly today. And many of you will say, I resonate with those. The first lesson we learned from a virus was this. We prayed more and depended on God more. 
I noticed that during the, lock, the first lockdown in early 2020, many people began to seek God. In fact, our prayer life increased. We were restricted at home and automatically with the concerns and the health scares of people and what was happening in the medical profession, we all began to seek God. We began to pray. We had to pray for our staff by name. We went through our church, all, all our connection shepherds, our connect group leaders, all our ministry heads, all our volunteers, our family began to pray for people by name and we drew near to God and we prayed more than ever. That's a good thing that came out of a bad thing and I noticed around the world there were more and more prayer meetings there were more and more Christians seeking God because we felt helpless and we saw a need and so we drew near to God and he drew near to us that's the positive spin-off of a negative event and if it's caused us to draw near to God it can only be a good thing and I noticed that online prayer even flourished. You know, we used to have prayer meetings packed out with thousands of people, but online prayer, more people watched, more people participated. And so it was a good thing that came out of a bad thing, all because we suddenly realized we needed God. Now, in the Old Testament, in the book of Second Chronicles, there's a prophet called Azariah. And he went to King Asa and spoke to King Asa about the condition of the nation and their need to draw near to God. And I want to just read this sort of longish passage, but let's just read it. I want you to notice something interesting about it. And he says to King Asa, listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. In other words, if you drift away, well, God will drift away from you. It's dependent on you drawing near. That's why in a negative situation, when we draw near to God, it can only be a good thing. Now he says here, for a long time, Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach and without the law. But in their distress, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel and sought him and he was found by them. Isn't that a good thing? The situation was dire, but they turned to the Lord. And then it says, in those days, it was not safe to travel about, for all the inhabitants of the lands were in great turmoil. Sounds like today, sounds like the distress that we're experiencing, but they turned to the Lord. And so during this virus, we discovered that even though things are in turmoil, we drew near to God, he drew near to us, and our relationship with him became closer. The second lesson we learned from the virus is we realized the unimportance of material things. You know, when you're in lockdown, the things you own, the cars you possess, the big plans you've got to buy stuff doesn't actually matter because people hardly use their vehicles. They hardly were able to dress and use their fancy clothing. People sat around in tracksuits and, and, and in short pants, sometimes wore a jacket on top and a short pants at the bottom and did Zoom calls because the material became less important than our health and our well-being. And we focused on staying home, wearing masks, being more cautious. And so everything changed in terms of our values because of what we went through. I can only think that's a good thing because when tough times come, you always realize what's really important to you. In the story of Jonah, when Jonah was on the ship with the sailors and they went through a terrible storm, which is what we've been through, it says that they did something interesting as they faced that storm. In Jonah chapter one and verse four, it says, then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened 
to break up. That's how our lives felt over these last while. And then it says, all the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. You know, when your life is in peril, when your physical body is at risk, suddenly material things don't become important and they threw their valuable cargo overboard. And I think many people have reevaluated their possessions, material things, material displays of wealth. Those things haven't been important because our health is of prime concern. The third lesson we learned from the virus is this. We realized that we have very little control over things. You know, sometimes we behave like gods. On social media, people project themselves like gods, good-looking, tanned. Their makeup is done perfectly. All the shots are of different body angles, and it looks like nothing can touch us, and we're in control. We can control our money and control our future, and we've got our plans and our goals. Suddenly, everything is thrown out of whack, and we realize we've got no control. Only God is in control. We can't control where we go. We can't control what we eat or drink. Everything is decided for us. And so those things teach you that you have to lean on God more because you can't control your life. You're not actually the full captain of your ship. God is still the one that is leading your boat. And uh, we realize we can't control the business world. We can't control the political world. We can't control the medical world. There's so little that we can control and it makes us much more dependent on God. You will have seen at all the sports events, people weren't allowed to attend. Stadiums were empty. Racetracks were empty. And there was just nothing happening. We couldn't control it. Billions of dollars and rands were at stake. But we couldn't control it. We had to leave it all in the hands of God. Number four, the fourth thing we realized and the lesson we learned from this virus that can really help us is we realized the incredible value of the church. You know, before this virus struck, some people were attending a church now and again. They appreciated their church. They were grateful. They thanked God for the word. They enjoyed the worship. But you know, when other things came up, then they were too busy and off they went to eat and they took the morning off. And you know, because you could always go again. But suddenly we realized I'm missing people. I'm missing the live preaching, the interaction from the stage, the humor that comes out when you're talking to a live audience, that interaction in the foyer, the buzz of seeing people you haven't seen for a while, waving at them, having a coffee with them, connecting, shaking hands, seeing their children, taking your kids to kids zone. And suddenly there's a new appreciation for that atmosphere. You know, it's very different when you sing at home in your lounge. It's wonderful, but it's not the same when we're together in a building, lifting hands and the music's playing and we're worshiping God in unity. And I believe that everyone has realized the value of the church once again. And many of us are longing to come back, interact, connect, sit under the life preaching of the word and serve again. And so this virus has rekindled our value for the church. And I think that so many people have continued to be faithful because they realize, man, I'm grateful for my church. It's closed at the moment, but I'm gonna keep supporting it. I'm gonna keep giving to it. I'm gonna keep praying for it. And I'm gonna guard it, not speak against it because soon we're coming back. You know, the Apostle Paul felt like that when he was away from the church and he couldn't attend live services with certain congregations. In the book of 1 Thessalonians, he talks to them with affection in chapter 2 and he says, but since we were torn away from you, isn't that what's happened to us? We were torn away from each other. And he says, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. 
Paul valued the church when he wasn't with them. And we feel torn away. We want to see you face to face, in person, and it's going to come soon. So thank God that you're valuing the church more than you did before. Number five, the fifth thing we discovered from a virus is we rediscovered the value of our relationships. You know, it's so easy to take people for granted when they're always around, to ignore people even at church when you see them. Oh, I'll see them later. I'll greet them. Maybe I'll see them at another service. But suddenly when we're separated from people, we suddenly realize what's really important, relationships, other believers, family. We haven't seen our family for the entire year, except in pictures and on videos. We haven't been able to touch each other and hug each other. We decided it was safer not to do that at the end of last year. And uh, we've realized how valuable our own families, our own brothers and sisters. We long to have people over to our house to have a, a braai or a meal together and have a good laugh, do Bible quiz, and just chat and share. We really, really miss that. And no matter how big your TV is, no matter how good your sound system is, whether you've got a pool or not, all those things don't really matter because people feed your soul. And suddenly the value of relationships has come to the fore. And uh, some of you have realized that your family is so valuable because you've lost some of your family. And we send our condolences and our sympathy to you, to your relatives and those close to you, friends that you've lost. Because really, all we really have in life is people. The things come and go, things change, things go out of fashion. But the virus has taught us that relationships are extremely important. Again, in 1 Thessalonians, further on in chapter 3, Paul writing to the church and how he misses them expresses his heart for relationship. And he says, But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. I'm sure you long to see your brothers and sisters. We long to see you. You might long to see us. I hope you do. But it's so important when you go through a time like this, you realize, man, people are valuable. Relationships are valuable. My family is valuable. And we long to come back together and to be together once again. Obviously, now we're waiting to hear what government says. We're in that stage again where we don't know which way it will go. But we need to pray. We need to bring our families to God. We need to support one another the most valuable thing we have is each other. Number six, the sixth lesson we learned from a virus is we became more grateful for daily blessings. I noticed that some people became bitter, but by and large, most people became extremely grateful for their health, their lives, and whatever they had. They were grateful every day when they woke up breathing. When their family didn't get COVID, they were filled with gratitude. And the praise and the thanksgiving and the praise reports, even on our app and, and, and on the responses that have come in, have shown that people are grateful. And I woke up being grateful, grateful for the home I have, that I have space, that I have a great office that I can work in, even though I'm there all the time. I began to thank God for things that I took for granted. You know, everything becomes stale. Everything becomes uh, uh, familiar. And we're always looking at how we can improve things. But suddenly we step back and we go, I'm grateful for what I've got, for what I have, for my health, and for each day waking up breathing. Thomas Fuller, the British author, way back said this. He said, health is not valued till sickness 
comes. We often take things for granted, especially our health, our possessions, and gratitude has begun to flow. It's so easy to become discontent with everything and to become dissatisfied, and people were discontent with their jobs and their marriages and, and their homes, and, and, and suddenly we're content. People are grateful. I've got a job. Gee, they're still paying me, and suddenly perspective changed. People have been complaining about the country and protesting, but suddenly now we're grateful to be safe. We're grateful that the government has put a firm foot down and said this is what needs to be done. And so while there are many challenges and they have to deal with so much and we can be critical, suddenly we become grateful. The virus has brought forth gratitude from us. I read an interesting article recently that the famous Mayo Clinic in America did studies with people in hospitals and, 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 and measured their well-being and their health and their longevity. And they found, by and large, the one quality that caused people to be healthier and to live longer was gratitude. And so if the virus has brought forth gratitude from us, it's extended our lives and it's done us good and it's honored God. Dr. Billy Graham made a staggering statement once, and he said, gratitude is one of the greatest Christian virtues. Ingratitude, one of the most vicious sins. And so gratitude is the exact opposite of the sin of ingratitude, and we can be grateful that we are thanking God. You know that the psalmist constantly thanked God, went through challenges, but constantly was grateful to God, even in his hardships, that the Lord was on his side. Let's just look at a bit of it. And if, you've, if you're struggling with gratitude today, maybe you haven't quite grasped how fortunate you are. Notice what Psalm 73, the psalmist says. He says, my health may fail and my spirit may grow weak. Maybe some of you are feeling that today, but God remains the strength of my heart and he is mine forever. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter and I'll tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. Worship, gratitude and praise no matter what you're going through. A good lesson to learn from hardship. Number seven, the seventh thing we can learn from a virus today is this. We realize that debt can be a burden in uncertain times. How many of you didn't realize during the virus, if only we didn't have so much debt, if only we didn't have such high car payments, now we're not even driving our car, if only we had more reserves, we wouldn't be panicking about the economy, we wouldn't be panicking about our salaries, we wouldn't be panicking about school fees. Why? Because we've got reserves, we've got very little debt. We will get through but debt can wear you down. It can increase your fear. Not only have you got the fear of the virus coming into your home, into your life, into your family, but now you've got the fear of not making it, of not buying food. And some people really went through hard times. And I think the virus has taught us you never know what's coming. Don't make your decisions and live on the edge because you never know how things could turn out. None of us expected it. In fact, at the beginning of 2020, people were making those glib prophecies. 2020, this is going to be the year. And some people even claim to be saying, thus saith the Lord, but it wasn't the Lord. And we need to be cautious Good stewards, the theme for the year was wisdom last year and needs to continue in our lives. And wisdom is not living beyond your means. Wisdom is cutting your cloth so that you've got reserves. Because when you've got some money saved, it's like a shelter. And, and when you don't have a lot of debt, there's a freedom. 
And so the virus has taught us some things that maybe we will carry into the future, even when we're free from this virus and things improve once again. Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 12, Solomon says this. He says, wisdom is a shelter as money is a shelter. In other words, when you save and you've got some reserves, then it's much easier to cope with challenges and unexpected things can come our way. Henrik Ibsen was a Norwegian playwright, and he said this about life. He says, home life ceases to be free and beautiful as soon as it is founded on borrowing and debt. Now, sometimes you need to borrow. You need to be able to take out a bond if you're going to buy a house. Very few people can save up that long and buy it cash. But we've got to see that we can contain it because it takes away our freedom, takes away our happiness, and it can destroy our homes. And the virus taught us that because we were shaken and our lives were threatened. It's good to learn lessons from bad things. Number eight, I hope this is speaking to you. I hope this is resonating with you. We can learn good things from bad experiences. Number eight, we realize that we have to choose faith over fear daily. You can't have your faith as a spare wheel in the back of your car, in the back of your life. No, daily you have to wake up and you have to choose faith. You have to hold on to the promises of God. No longer can you just be positive because people are being weighed down. The constant news broadcasts of negativity and bad reports and statistics. We have to wake up and say, I choose to believe God. I choose to read his promises and trust him. And I choose to reject fear. Because fear will cause depression and it has even caused some to commit suicide. And you can be a Christian, you can know the Lord, you can go along with momentum. But in hard times like this, suddenly you realize every day has to be a day with Jesus. And I think it's been good for us to have to focus on God the Father's promises and the person of Christ. And it's a daily decision. In many of the Psalms, the psalmist describes how he copes with life and we read about what he did in order to overcome his fears when facing difficult circumstances. And many of us have had to learn this and some still need to learn it, but I want to read to you what the psalmist did. In Psalm 56 and verse 3, he says, When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In other words, that's what I do. Every time I feel this fear coming, I make a decision to put my trust in you. He says, in God, whose word I praise, in God I trust and am not afraid. So as soon as you trust God, you make a decision, fear goes and faith comes. In Psalm 27 and verse 1, the psalmist says, the Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? In other words, how can I even bother to fear when the Lord is my light and my salvation? When you put God first every single day, then fear is dealt with. He says, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. Though, even then, it doesn't matter what happens to me. I choose faith every day over fear. You can't live off yesterday's faith. You have to make a daily decision. And it's an action and a responsibility that many of us have learned. You'll remember the words of Jesus. He promised to give us his peace. But notice what he says in John chapter 14. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Now, if you stop there, you'll say, well, why haven't I got it? He says this, 
I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. In other words, I've given you my peace, but now you must make a decision to not let fear rule your life and you need to make a daily decision to keep walking in his peace. This virus has taught us that we have to make daily decisions or we'll be overwhelmed. Many people have been suffering from depression when they needn't have if they'd lived a daily walk with God. I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 34. He says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. You see, it's not just automatic that you've got peace and that you've got faith. You've got to seek the Lord. You've got to read the word and then God delivers you from your fears, but it's a daily practice. And it's such a good thing. We can't wait from Sunday to Sunday. The times are so tough that we have to make a decision and we have to draw near to God. You know, the thing that's amazed me during lockdown is how some people are complaining and questioning God. Now, I can understand those who don't know the Lord, but believers, I think it's because we've been too comfortable for so long. We've had everything so good that we can't believe this is happening to us. But it should draw us near to God. It should, should cause us to turn to him rather than turn away from him. There's a historian by the name of Philip Jenkins. And he says that in third world countries, suffering turns people towards God. But then he said this. He said, Christianity is flourishing wonderfully amongst the poor and persecuted while it atrophies amongst the rich and the secure. In other words, where people have got it easy, that's where faith stagnates. That's where they, their faith dries up because that muscle's not being used. But in poor countries where they really need to rely on God, they draw near to God and they choose faith over fear daily. And this virus has taught us we have to do that. Otherwise, we will die our faith will die and we will shrivel up and we will not be able to stand. I love this verse as I wrap up this point in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 9. Such a wonderful and powerful verse. It says, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. And so this virus has taught us that every day we have to choose faith over fear or we will not stand at all, even if we are Christians. It's a good lesson we've learned. Let's have a look at two more. Number nine, we became aware of our mortality. What a good lesson to learn during lockdown. We have been living in a world where people behave as though they're immortal, as though they're gods, as though they're invincible. They party, take drugs, reckless, do things, don't look after their health and behave as though they're indestructible. But what this virus has taught us is that human beings are fragile. We're but dust. We are mortals. And in a moment of time, we could be gone. Now you say, well, isn't that negative? No, it's good to live with your mortality in mind because then you take care of yourself. You take care of your relationship with God. You live not as though you're invincible and that you don't need God and that you, you're a self-sufficient person. You know, in all the ads and the social media, people project themselves as though they're gonna live forever. They're gonna be forever young. But actually, our mortality is good because it, realize, it makes us realize and takes away the arrogance of, well, I don't need God and makes us aware of our need for him. In Psalm 9 and verse 20, the psalmist says this in talking to the Lord. He says, strike them with terror, Lord. Let the nations know they are mortal. He looked around and saw how arrogant people were and how they thought they were invincible. And he said, Lord, shake them a bit so that they can realize they're just mortal and they can turn 
to you. In Philippians 3 and verse 20, Paul talks about us being mortal. He says, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. Speaking of Jesus, he will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own. See, Paul says we are living on this planet. It's, it's not our permanent home and we've got weak mortal bodies. It's not wrong to sense that you're weak and mortal and that you're aging maybe and that times you get ill and things happen to you. That makes us long for our heavenly home. And people behave as though they're going to be around forever. They're shocked when people die. It's because they never take eternity into account. They're living here as though this is our permanent home. And what this virus has taught us is we're mortal and we need to think about our future because this earth is not our home. You'll remember in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, the writer says, for this world is not our home. We are looking forward to our everlasting home in heaven. The big question when you face your mortality is this, is what will happen if I die? And am I ready? And bad things like a virus make us think about things we might ignore. And so in that sense, it's a good lesson to learn from a virus that we're mortal and we need to be prepared. Lastly, this is the last lesson, and I'm sure there are many other lessons you can relate to, but this is the last lesson from a virus. We realize that after every disaster, there is opportunity. You know, this virus has rocked our world, rocked our nation, rocked our lives, our families, our campuses, and the, the churches around the world. But we realize that after every storm comes a calm. After every disaster comes opportunity. And nothing lasts forever. It rattles us, speaks to us, but then there's optimism. We can dream again. We can look forward to the future. We can rebuild our lives. And with expectation, we can recover. And you need to keep that in mind today. Although things happen, there's still opportunity up ahead. You remember after all the tsunamis in, in, in Indonesia and in Japan, people rebuilt. Those nations have rebuilt. They've rebuilt their economies. After World War II, there was a boom. There was a demand for goods and services. I spoke about this last year. And... Uh, the, the, the world recovered and America entered a boom time where cars were sold and houses were built and appliances flourished. And, and so there's always the need for things again as we kick back in and there will be business opportunities. Those of you that have lost your businesses or have had to close down, those of you that have lost your jobs, trust God for opportunity. Opportunity is waiting after disaster and this teaches us that trouble doesn't last forever and we need to keep hope alive no matter how bad the circumstances just this last week, I read a fascinating book called Two Who Survived, Keeping Hope Alive. And it's the story of Max and Rose Schindler. She was put into a concentration camp, Auschwitz, at just the age of 14 with her entire family. Her family never survived, but she did with some of her siblings. Uh, she said she was 18, otherwise she would have been gassed. And uh, she went through terrible horrors, ordeals. She was as thin as a rake, nearly died on a number of occasions. And finally, when the Russians came and released them from prison, she was finally repatriated and, and went back to her home and found some of her father's possessions that he'd hidden in the roof. The neighbors had all stolen their furniture and wouldn't give it back. And finally, they were taken to Scotland and then on to London. And then finally, she made a new life for herself in America and got married and had four children. And uh, the wonderful story is, is that they were married for almost 70 years, her and her husband, until he passed away in 2017. And they went around speaking to students about how hard life can be 
but yet uh, there's always hope. And after he passed away, she, right up till her death in uh, 2019, went to students and spoke to them. And she said this, she said, if I didn't have hope, I wouldn't be here today. And so after every disaster, there is still opportunity. And this virus teaches us, man, things can go horribly wrong, but there's always opportunity after a disaster. As I close today, Micah chapter 7 and verse 8, Micah says, Do not gloat over me, my enemies, for though I fall, I will rise again. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. That's what I want to leave you with today. Although things have gone wrong, we can learn lessons from them. We can take them and apply them to our lives. And all things can work together for good because we know as believers that there's a purpose in our lives and that God's got opportunity for us. But what we have to do is we have to choose faith over fear. Every day we have to draw near. In the book of James, it says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. And that's what we have to do. Some people pull away from God. How could he let this happen? If there's a loving God, why? But we have to draw near to him and say, Lord, we trust you. We know that in all things you work together for the good because we've been called according to your purpose. And when our purpose is up, we'll go to heaven. But until then, no matter what hardships come our way, we'll learn from them, we'll press forward, and we'll expect blessing from you in 2021. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 